Okay. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to my podcast. Uh, today, we have two very special guests joining me today, uh, Meninder Chohan and David Pereira, who are both expert investors, have decided to join us today. And we're going to talk about something that we haven't talked about before, and that is a rent-to-own strategy for investors in real estate. Welcome, gentlemen. Nice to have you on board. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks for having us. As you know, we've, we've listened to the pod a few times and, and are fans, and we're, we're excited <laughs> to be on it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, too. I do appreciate that. Um, when we first met a couple of weeks ago, we talked briefly, and um, I, I think I, I kind of laid my cards on the table as a realtor. Uh, Rent-to-own is not something that I normally would have recommended, uh, perhaps to a buyer, to a tenant, potential buyer, but not, not so much to a seller. Uh, but we had a coffee and a nice chat, and you guys have kind of opened my eyes to some of the possibilities uh, that are out there for a certain type of investor, a certain type of investor who's looking for a certain type of return. And I was intrigued by that, and thank you very much for sharing that information with me. So today we're going to try to talk a little bit about that, the rent-to-own specifically from the owner or the investor's point of view, and we're going to talk a little bit about why it might make good sense even in today's type of market. So, gentlemen, tell me a little bit about yourselves, okay? And uh, we've met. We, I know you a little bit, but I haven't known you for a long time. So let me know uh, where you guys are coming from. Hey, no, great. Uh, and again, thanks for having us on, Randy. Uh, Pleasure. I think your listeners will get some value out of the idea of RTO or rent-to-own, Okay. which is not a new concept. It's been around for a number of years. But uh, David and I met uh, probably about 15 years ago. Um, so we've, we've known each other for a while. We've worked together. Um, and, uh, last year, I guess during, uh, during COVID, we talked a little bit about, uh, different real estate strategies. Um, cause we, we both understood that, uh, each of us had done some real estate investment. And so one of the ideas that we, we stumbled upon was this idea of rent to own. And, um, the model that we, um, that we that we've looked at with RTO, what we find is it reduces a lot of the risk and the effort that's required in owning and operating a rental property. A lot of the typical um, issues that landlords come across in terms of managing tenants and um, placing tenants, doing repairs, doing overall maintenance um, is somewhat gone away with with the rent to own model. And so the way David and I have structured our RTO um, business and the way we, we position it to investors is we're looking to get a, a very transparent, very structured deal in place. And, and we, we target about a 20% annual return on 20%. an investor's money, 20%. Okay. And so if Not David and I are looking at a deal, it, 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 is, it is attractive and it does raise some eyebrows and, and it's a good headline. And so David and I won't look at a deal unless we're actually going to be able to um, provide that type of return to an investor. Okay. So 20% is the target. So tell me a little bit how the process would work. Um, I guess let's take it from the, from the investor's point of view. How would that work? Where would they start off? Sure. Actually, if you're okay, Randy, if I can show a diagram, I know the people on the pod won't hear it, but people on the... Uh who are watching on YouTube might be able to see it. Sure. Okay, sure. It's a single diagram, but it um, kind of explains it well. Can you see this? Uh-huh. I can, yes, see it yeah. well. Thank you. So let me walk, walk through this model. So the idea is the way we conduct it is we're doing this uh, tenant first. If you do a Google on rent-to-own or lease-to-own, which is synonymous, right. um, there's two core models. One is, one is uh, tenant first and one is property first. 
We go with tenant first. And what that means is before the investor really gets involved, we are finding good potential tenant buyers. These are people who rent today. They're high income in the sense that their combined income is, is quite good. It's quite high. Okay. But they either have, they have credit issues or they have a small down payment. Okay. And for those two, one of those two reasons, they're not able to qualify for a mortgage today. All right. So that's who the investor, uh, sorry, that's who the tenant buyer. Is. So we'll call them Tom and Betty. Tom and Betty. Okay. Yeah. All right. The tenant buyers, Tom and Betty. All right. So that's, that's what they're trying to solve for. They're trying to actually get, do home ownership, but they can't today. And what they're worried about is escalating Ontario home prices. For sure. They're worried by the time that they can qualify three, five years down the road, Right. Something that sells for 600K today might be 1.1. And yep. so that's the fear that they're facing. That's, now, a, the, that's a real fear. That is a legitimate it fear is. for sure. And any, anyone who's paid attention to Ontario real estate for the last 10 years always feels like the market's too high, the market's too high. And then two years later, the market's 10% higher. And it doesn't <laughs> stop. Yeah. Welcome with, to my world. Yes. Well, and yep. you know, I've talked about this, like with immigration, like continued immigration and continued policies, like there really is no reason for the housing market to crater it may flatten a little bit but i don't see cratering anytime i'm in agreement i think i think the future is bright for the gta and for southern ontario so the investor they get involved so once we have a qualified tenant buyer that qualified tenant buyer in a parallel track are we're qualifying investors so we're talking to people that are interested in the return interested in basically being hands-off so no dealing with toilets, no dealing with tenants. They just basically want passive return, good good passive return, and they want a three-year exit strategy. So this is also very different than buy and hold investment real estate where you yes. buy a condo, buy a single family home. Those are kind of wealth generating tools that you may keep for a long time, right? which is a good strategy. I mean, I personally yep. do that, so it's not yep. against the strategy. This strategy has a, has a, defined, a defined time limit. We are looking to end, like start and end a deal within a three-year period. And so okay, that so return- Three-year period. Three years. Okay. So we're qualifying the investors now as well. And qualifying for investors means you can qualify for a mortgage, 20% down payment. You're right. sort of telling us which areas of Ontario you're interested in, uh, what's your budget. And then we're trying to match you with a tenant buyer who is interested in buying a house within your budget in your desired location. So if someone says to you, I would like to buy something in Brantford uh, yep. for what, and, and you're going to help them find a house in Brantford that could be rented out for a three-year period, which yep. is going to generate a 20% return per, per year. For the investor, for correct. For the yep. investor. Okay. That sounds good. Carry on. All right. So, <laughs> Carry on. Find, so once the time buyer is qualified, <laughs> they get their realtor and their realtor can performs their normal realtor duties and helps them find a house that they want. What's different is ultimately the person buying this house is the investor. Once the, once the tenant buyer and the realtor, we'll say Randy the realtor, are working together and they find the house, then the investor gets notified saying, hey, and of course, uh, Minder and I are sort of managing this process. We'll tell the investor, hey, they found this house in Brantford. Here's the listing. Is this something you'd be interested in putting an offer in? Is this, okay. and, and the question we ask them would be, is this something that you're comfortable holding your portfolio? If the deal in three years, for whatever reason, doesn't work out, and this is still in your portfolio, are you okay with that? So that's mm -hmm. really the decision the investor has to make. If the investor says, you know what, I like this house in Brampton. Yes, sorry, Brantford. Um, I would be comfortable holding this. 
let's move forward. We, they basically sign the paperwork and we put forth a conditional offer. So we never do a non-conditional. It's always a conditional offer to protect okay. pretty much everyone involved. At the inspection, and so it's conditional upon inspection. At the inspection, typically the investor will show up, make sure they're comfortable with the report and what they see. They can talk to the buyer tenant. They can talk with the inspector. They'll get the report. And once the report is issued, the uh, investor looks at that and basically gives the green light. Yes, I'm happy to move forward. Or no, I'm not going to take this house. And if they do move forward, then some normal sort of closing procedures, yeah. normal sort of mortgage procedures. Um, and then on closing, the investor gets the keys. But of course, those keys get given to the tenant buyer um, and we have a deal. So in that deal, the tenant buyer is now moved into their house and the investor owns a house. So you actually find not only you attract a, an investor, but you're also finding the tenant, future owner, uh, yep. early in the process. Yeah, and the reason yeah, we they're, do that- they're the, be, they're the actual beginning of the process. Okay, so we, they actually start the entire- Correct. I, I got you, okay. And the reason that's, so that, and that's a tenant first uh, model. The reason we do this and we like this is there's no pressure to make a bad decision in terms of rushing to buy a house. Okay. Because if you start with the property first, meaning you buy a house with the intent of putting someone in it, putting a tenant buyer in it, mm -hmm. as soon as you buy that house, you've got carrying costs. As soon as you have carrying costs, the, the clock is ticking to put someone in that house. And that's where sometimes questionable decisions where you kind of like, you know, we have this threshold, but we like them. We'll kind of go below our threshold. And that's where you introduce risk into the, into the equation. By starting with a well-qualified tenant buyer who's got a high probability of qualifying for a mortgage in three years, you're reducing that element of risk. Okay. That's very interesting. So just so I've got it straight, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a senior here, so I got to make sure I've got all, got all these details down. You start with a tenant. You find a tenant who's got great income. Maybe they don't have the down payment or maybe there's some other circumstance where they can't buy today, yep. but, but they've got good income and they're solid. And they tell you, and we use the example of Brantford, let's say they want to they eventually, uh, they want to live in Brantford and eventually buy a house there. You find them first and you qualify them so you know that they're solid. Then you find an investor to purchase a house that the, the tenant would eventually want to buy conceivably. Uh -huh. And you put the two together, you assist um, an agent could be involved helping the investor to yep. purchase the house. You uh, help the mortgage uh, financing is put in place. They get the keys, they rent it out immediately to the, the high income earning, but unable to purchase tenant. And we start off our three year period right there. Yep. So you got it. Pretty smooth. Pretty slick. Okay. Pretty smooth. Good. Pretty okay. Slick. I got it. So I one, think I got one it. Additional I, Menander, yeah. One additional detail there during that conditional period that David yep. mentioned, that's yep. when all the numbers get finalized. So rent is uh, obviously agreed upon at that point. The purchase uh, price we know because okay. the conditional offer is in place. We know right. what we're buying the house for. David and I and the tenant buyer, we also agree on what the exit price will be in three years. And that okay. differs from property to property region to region, but the tenant buyer knows going in that this is what the house will cost me in three years time. And so they're locking in a price that they feel comfortable with. And um, this is why David also mentioned everything's conditional because it protects everyone and there's sure. no real pressure. Now, so, David and I will have had that conversation with the tenant buyer prior, like okay. generally this is what the appreciation will be. But that's that's when we lock everything in during that conditional period. So when you and in terms of locking it in, we're not talking about a letter of intent. We're talking about an actual agreement of purchase and sale for three years down the road where they yeah. would be contractually legally obligated to go through with the deal. 
Correct. Just, just so I get it. Okay. Yeah, All so right. Saying, yeah. So Correct. they're signing that. Okay. They're signing. So there's a few, there's a quite a bit of paperwork in the conditional period. So it's that agreement of purchase. They're signing the typical OREA residential, like rental um, right. lease agreement. And then the, 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 the most important document is the option to purchase agreement. Ah, okay. Option to purchase agreement. Got it. And the option of purchase agreement stipulates all the rules, all of the expectations and requirements of the tenant buyer right. for them to be in good standing in order to purchase the house in three years' time. So the reality is that the, that contract skews in favor of the investor. And basically, if the tenant buyer doesn't live up to their right. end of the bargain, they're at risk of losing the down payment. Uh, they're at risk of losing a significant portion of the down payment they've put forth as well as the option credits they're paying every month, which is basically a form of forced savings. Okay. So there are credits there. In other words, they're paying extra rent over right. and above what they normally would pay, which will contribute to their eventual down payment. Yep. And so, and you bring up, you know, me being a realtor, first thing I think of is, okay, what happens if things go south? What happens if the tenant is unable to close or they don't want to close or they lose their job or there's something that happens. So then that that's the risk for the tenant, the tenant buyer, Yep. That they would lose that extra down payment or those extra payments that they've been making. Is that, is that how that works? Yeah. So the way the contract is written in such a way that if the tenant buyer fails to close on the purchase, they could lose up to 90% of the credits they put in. Okay. Now, so that's a lot of skin in the game for the tenant buyer. And you want that as an investor, as an operator, because you want a serious person in the house who will take right. care of it. Now, let's assume that this tenant buyer has been a great tenant for two years yep. and something happens. They, someone loses a job. There's a sickness. They've been right. good people. They've taken good care of the place. Right. But something happened. While the contract states one thing, we can do whatever we want. If they've been good people, we can come up with an alternative solution, such as extending the deal for a year. There's some flexibility then. There is absolute flexibility. We want the contract in our favor, but we also want to be good stakeholders and good partners in this, right? We, we all succeed if a deal culminates in three years. That's the goal. But if we can't hit that goal, what can we do, assuming all the stakeholders have been sort of acting in good faith, upholding their end to the best of their ability, mm -hmm. what else can we do to solve for the problem? Um, and so, yeah, extending the deal by a year is, is, off, is sometimes an option as well. Okay. So that's, uh, that mitigates a little bit of the risk from the tenant's point of view. Uh, and as, soon, as long as they don't just simply change your mind and move away, um, yeah. you know, and I understand. So there's, there's skin in the game. There's money that they could lose if they, yep. if they fail to uh, proceed. Yep. Okay. So what are, th that's very interesting. So what about risks from the, the, buy, the investor's point of view? Um, they've, they're agreeing to a 20% a rate of return, which is pretty good. Uh -huh. And what, what's the risk from, from the investor's point of view? I can understand it's very attractive from their point of view because it's kind of hands off. Yep. where you, you guys are acting sort of as intermediaries or almost like a property manager so that uh, if, if I read this right, that if there's a problem and the furnace conks out in the middle of the night in February, the investor does not have to drive to Brantford to fix the, get the furnace looked after. Is yeah, that correct? So I'll, I'll give you an example. So the house that you can see behind me right now okay. is a house that uh, Meninder and I bought as investor as RTO investors. Very nice. We bought that in December, 2020. Okay. And the, in December, 2023, we will um, be selling it to the tenant buyers. Excellent. We visited the house once. We show up for the inspection. Since then, I've never, I haven't heard a <laughs> from anybody except That's for the a good operator. Tenant. 
who <laughs> sends us, and the operator sends us the checks every month. And that's literally all I've had to deal with. In, in contrast, I got a text this afternoon from, um, so I have a property in Kitchener. Hi, David. The toilet has been clogged since yesterday. I've tried unclogging <laughs> it numerous times, but it hasn't been working. I literally got this at 1245 today. Man, I could tell you stories. I don't want to. I don't want to say them publicly on the podcast because <laughs> it will scare anybody who wants to invest in real estate. But yep. things happen. They really do happen. Right. And usually they happen at the worst possible time, on the weekend, in the middle of the night, or there are all sorts of issues that can come up. So th- I see the contrast. I do. Yeah. So um, yeah. we have not had to deal with that whatsoever with with the house that uh, that we're showing here. Um, and even if something happened, it's the tenant buyer's responsibility. That's stipulated in the uh, option of purchase contract. Any oh. sort of minor repair, okay. the tenant buyer is responsible for. Mm-hmm. If there's major repair, so such as roof or- I was just going to say like a, a leaking roof or something, yeah, something yeah, major. water damage. Yeah, so who covers that? Things. One is the investor would have the normal property insurance. Right. Right. So that's part of the expense is the, just the, the usual insurance as an investor. Now, if we have to use that insurance because of a leak, uh, water leak or a roof issue, yeah. the tenant buyer pays the deductible. And that's all spelled out in the, the in, the, in the contract. And then the second thing is, also well, before that we even have that issue, the first thing is that's why the inspection is so critical. You're, you're looking in that inspection for, are there right. any major things that we should be expecting in the next three years? Now we can't like, some stuff happens, you deal with it. We, like The inspector should be looking at the, the major stuff. How old is this furnace? How old is the roof? How old is the air conditioner? Are the appliances in good shape? Right. Is there any sus- any suspicion of water damage already? Right. Those yep. are usually the, the big ticket items sure. that could creep up in three years. Yep. So you want to choose a place where the risk of any of those things crapping out is fairly low. Right. So you're going to be looking for relatively new newer houses, not necessarily brand new, but not Correct. not a century old legacy uh, stone. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And, okay. and well, well, well maintained. And, and I think, Randy, David touches on that point there in terms of like home maintenance in the sense that just everything that goes along with home ownership is the expectation for the tenant buyer. Like they are working towards home ownership and effectively David and I and our investor partner, we're acting as the bridge for that ownership. So like, you know, when you purchase a home, the bank is providing you financing, you don't go to the bank when you have a problem, like you, right. you work it out as a homeowner. It's the same sort of expectation here in the sense that, you know, you are the homeowner, we are, we are that bridge to you ultimately getting that financing for yourself. So the moment you, you, you move in, you know, the expectation and the encouragement is that you treat this like your home because it's the home that you chose. Yep. Um, make repairs as you see fit, make renovations as you see fit. Um, you know, treat it as it is your home, uh, because you're in, definitely in, in effect in three years, it will be. Yeah. You're definitely going to get more engagement from the tenant because they're not just a tenant. They are, like you say, they're going to be a future owner yep. and, um, okay, good. You guys have thought, put a lot of thought into this. I can tell you've thought a lot about the, uh, the possibilities of what could happen. Uh, what about in terms of, of, de- uh, you know, depositing rent checks and that sort of thing. That's just between the two of them, or do you guys get involved with that as well? No, as operators, we we get involved, right? And so our job as an operator is to basically manage all communication to the tenant okay. and to make sure that they're on track. So okay. um, there's a couple aspects there. One is collecting the the rent check and the option to purchase the the, um, the buyer credit check. So 
Right. Let's assume market rent is $3,000. Okay. They're going to be paying a rental check of $3,000. And then typically the, the forced savings or the option credit is 20 to 25% above that. Okay. So let's assume 25%, that's $750. They would be making a separate check for $750. Uh, that $750 accumulates towards their down payment. So that's over forced 36 months. Over 36 months. Right. You got it. Okay. And you guys, you, you must, I know you're not doing this for free. So you must be, you must deduct a management fee for this. Yep. I'm, I'm going to ask you the tough questions too, not just the easy ones. Okay. So, well, of course you're, if you're, if you're, you're part of this process. So, um, all right, that's, that's reasonable. And, but what you're saying, this is the part that intrigued me was the fact that from the investor's point of view, uh, it's not just buying real estate for the sake of buying real estate. It's more, it's, it's a targeted purchase where you're looking at, it's like, it's, it's an investment. You're, you're targeting a 20% uh, return. And that's, that's what, that's what you're targeting. There's not so much of the kind of baggage that comes with owning real estate um, in terms of repairs and whatnot. There's not so much of that involved from the investor's point of view. It's simply, it's an investment. You put your money in, you take it out after three years. Yep. Like it's, I mean, no different than a REIT. If you think about those ones, it is. Sorry, yeah, right. you off there. Go ahead. It's no different than a REIT, right? If um, like you can invest in real estate in other ways, um, you can put into a fund. Now, if you look at buy and hold, buy and hold yeah. in the Ontario market, if you think about how the three ways to make money in real estate uh, as an investor, right? You make mm -hmm. money off monthly cash flow. Yep. You make money on mortgage pay down. Yep. And you make money on appreciation. Capital gain, right. Exactly, right? Most good um most good trainers of people who train people how to invest in real estate will say focus on the first two. Focus on monthly cash flow, focus on mortgage pay down, and appreciation is a nice bonus. But yeah, when you're you right. choose a property and, yeah. and you choose a location in a house, you want to focus on the first two. Those will help you make the right decisions. The reality is Ontario has been crazy for the last 10 years, right? Absolutely, and, so, and all across Ontario now. Exactly. So buy and hold right now is probably returning 40 45% per annual per year. In, yeah, in certain areas for sure. So yeah. here, that's okay. You bring up the next point then. Uh, from the investor's point of view, uh, some people might think that if, if you're settling for 20% per year, you might be leaving some cash on the table. Maybe. What would you say to an investor who brought that, that up? So the analogy so, that I have. You've got a good analogy. I've got, yeah. I've got, I've got an analogy here. I, actually, I think I came up with this after talking to you, Randy. So Randy, do you, do you invest in Bell stock or any sort of dividend stock? Uh, not currently, but I used to. I used okay. to do a bit of stock trading back in the okay. day. Yep. So there's a lot of people that will put money into dividend stocks. Yes. And why do they do that? Because dividend safety. Safety. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they pay 5% a year. Right? They like certainty. They right. like safety. They like knowing that Bell or any sort of like typical dividend stock is not going to have crazy volatility. Right. They You're not dealing with some penny stock, mining stock from Northern BC or something. Exactly. Where, right. Yeah. Okay. Now gotcha. compare that to um, Tesla. Compare that to a lot of these green EV stocks, right? Yep. They've been, like, so Tesla was amazing last year, 3x, 4x your money. Since it IPO, oh, sorry, since it split, the stock has come down. Like you're, yeah. you're riding a wave. It some is. people don't have the stomach for that wave. And I think the older you get, the less stomach you have for it. Because some of that stuff is so speculative. It's just amazing. Uh, Tesla's probably the worst example or the best example. But yeah, I get you. So there's two types of investors that seem to really like uh, RTO arrangements. The first one... So um, like when David Mike, was talking right? about... 
not only do they not have the stomach for it, they may not even with with RTO. You're 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 also just buying the security. The, um, you know, David, you see now to fell stock. Basically, buy the stock, close the laptop, and check on it in six months or a year. You know, you're not tracking it on a daily, weekly, or monthly basis. Right. Right. It's it's not something you need to think about as part of your portfolio. Right. So we think that RTO fits into a diversified portfolio of somebody who's trying to manage and mitigate their risk. They may also have a buy and hold, or they may also have a pre-construction condo in their portfolio, but RTO is one component of how they would want to manage and diversify their risk. Who would you say is your ideal um, customer for an investor in terms of demographics and age? Uh, Are they high net worth individuals? Are they middle individuals are they older are they younger who who would be your ideal uh client for that from an investor point of view our initial thought on the investor would be somebody who's probably in their 40s who okay. has their own home has a job probably a family like we've interviewed a number of our, our our friends within our personal network who fit that profile and they've done no real estate investing today many people uh, but they own right? a home and and they have access to a home equity line of credit which they're not using. HELOC. So they have access to additional funds. Right. To, they have access to a HELOC, which they're not using, and they could qualify for another mortgage. So effectively, they have access to a credit facility that they're not utilizing, and so they can tap into that. The cash flow that we generate on a monthly basis for a rent-to-own bill will service the interest-only payments on that. So we so don't need to pay it down necessarily throughout the three-year term, but we're just covering the interest. Right, I understand. And they can qualify for the mortgage, which the tenant buyer is effectively paying for, for the mortgage costs. So from an investor point of view, in terms of mortgage payments, which are being covered, the insurance payments, which are being covered, property taxes, uh, so all three of those are covered through the monthly cash flow. And then the additional cash flow that we're getting will also cover the home equity line of credit. Right. And so their lifestyle really doesn't change at all for those three years because they're not having to actually manage the property either. And then at the end of the three years, when we close out the deal, you know, they receive their, their exit payment, they pay off their home equity line of credit, and, and they have a nice return to show for it. And so we, we thought that that was one good profile. But then mm-hmm. after listening to your podcast with Cody, um, you were also <laughs> asking you. the question around what, what, would an, what would an older couple do? So potentially somebody who's nearing retirement age right. um, and is looking for a greater degree of certainty and potentially doesn't want to put their hard-earned investments that they've accumulated over the years into a GIC or right. a money market fund. Right. Um, you know, they still they still have the ability to qualify for a mortgage because they're working, but there might be five or six years away from retirement. Mm-hmm. This would be a viable option for them as well because it's a defined exit strategy in three years. And so it fits their time horizon of in terms of a risk-mitigated investment um, with a predetermined exit strategy. I can tell you that people in that age bracket, late 50s, early 60s, if they're still working, they get more conservative as time goes by. Absolutely. They're not willing to do risky investments in Tesla or in Bitcoin or crazy stuff. You know, they want something, like you said, Menender, it's, it's, it's their hard-earned money. It's their hard-earned equity that they built up over a lifetime. And they, they know that 2% in the bank is not, which is taxable, is not going to get them very far. And uh, so I think this is what, what woke me up when we had coffee a couple of weeks ago. 
uh, is I think there is a perfect target market for you out there. Um, a lot of people that I talk to, not just uh, seniors, but or older people, but they just don't want to get in, involved with the hassle of tenants. That's the number one uh, negative uh, that goes with, they say, well, I'd love to buy a, an investment house, but I just don't want the hassle of dealing with tenants. This kind of mitigates that, makes yeah. it a, a lot easier. This is why we're talking today. I right. think you guys have come up with a great idea. Yeah. Well, and truthfully, this is not our, a unique idea. We, this has been around, been around four yeah. years. I did uh, some checking. I, yeah. So, I, I mean, I first read about this probably eight years ago. An agent that helped me get my first investment property wrote a book uh, on rent-to-own investing in Canada. They wrote a book? Oh, my God. He literally wrote a book on it. Oh, and, of God. course, I, I got to get the back book to work. And, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I read the book and didn't take action, right? And then when Inder mentioned, we were looking for, for strategies for us to kind of put our, put our brains together and do something in real estate. And I heard a podcast about RTO. Uh, and then just the snowball effect and one thing happens. And um, again, the one thing that we really like about RTO is that there is kind of a, it's kind of like conscious capitalism. Yes, we're in it to make money and every stakeholder is in it to make sure. money. Right? Of course. Realtors, yeah, sure. Realtors in it for money. The investors in it for money. Right. So are we. And the tenant buyer is looking to buy a home, which is going to be an equity asset for them. So there's absolutely this um, capitalistic aspect to it. But the fact that all of us are working together and all of us are accepting trade-offs, like the, as we said, the investor could be making way more return right now. Maybe. If they decide to do it. Maybe. But they're accepting this trade-off of saying, you know what, I'll, I'm thrilled with 20% because I don't have to do, I don't have to deal with tenants, I don't have to deal with this work. The realtor is happy to get involved because they're putting their client into a home now where right. they didn't do that before. Right. We're happy because we have a business where we get to put people who are like worthy trying to get into home ownership, they stick to a plan and they get there and we had a hand in that. That makes us feel good. And the tenant buyer gets into a home that they want to, they're into their dream home. So there is something altruistic or, or nice, I mean, just generally nice about no, the home as well. I so agree. that's that's another uh, thing that attracted us to, to this business. I think. Well, this could work for all sorts of people. Um, and, and, uh, yeah, and, uh, and as we talk about like even the trade-offs that the investors investor is taking on, there are some things that they're not having to deal with. So, for example, like we said at the outset, they know who's going into the home before they even purchase the home. So they're not carrying the property for a month or two or, while they try to place or somebody more. Or, exactly. or feeling any pressure or more right. or feeling yeah. pressure of placing somebody. Like, Randy, you told me an interesting story about uh, a tenant that went off to the U.S. and, and had to place a tenant and there's a, oh, just, just put him into the house. Um, that did not turn out too well. Um, I could tell you many more um, stories like that. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so and, anyways, and I think uh, I think a lot of real estate investors probably have come across a situation where it's just like, oh, do I put this person in? Do I rent my house to them? Yeah. Like, what's the situation there? A lot of uh, virtually all of that is removed. And then at the end, um, truthfully speaking, like you're not getting somebody out of the home to then stage it, to paint it, to clean it. You're not incurring any of those costs. Good point. You're not incurring the cost of carrying the property for two to five months while you sell it and close. Possibly, um, yeah. You're also, as a seller, as a seller at the end of the agreement in a typical buy and hold, you know, you are paying out commissions to a realtor um, for both the buy and the oh, sell. Oh, that's good. Like, Thank God for that. Actually, okay. so, <laughs> so none of that transaction actually happens in this situation. Oh, I know, it doesn't? But, but Randy, oh, you, you were no. there. The, Sorry, it Randy. doesn't. Sorry, well, we got the what end. We, sorry, got the, we got the top of it anyway. You got the front end, exactly. Yeah. You got the front end. You got Half the front is better end. than nothing, yeah. right? 
<laughs> but yeah. when that tenant like buyer it. does decide that right. hey, when the tenant buyer does decide that they want to sell it eventually they'll, they'll come back to randy who put them into the house in the first place so it is there, there. you go there um, you go it might just not happen in three years well and i think ideally uh if the investor is happy with their return that they may do this more than once it's quite possible yeah. amazing you've you've opened my eyes and i'm someone that for several years have been telling people oh rent own forget it that's no good in this kind of market uh, because the market's on fire. Why would you wait? Why would you give people time to buy your house when you can sell it today in an hour? But now I see it. It's a different way of looking at things. And that's the, the number one objection for most people uh, when they want to buy an investment is they don't want to deal with tenant issues. That's the number one thing. And this is a nice way to get around that. Yes, you might be making a little bit less, but we don't know for sure. You know, we don't know for sure. The market could flatten out. It, who knows what, what's happening with COVID? We could be in, you know, wave number 10 by the time three years. Or we don't know. We don't know what's going to happen in the world. So I like it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a very kind of intricate and well thought out plan that you guys have put together. So one interesting thing that happened this past week is um, as part of the, one of the election promises from Trudeau, he's trying to address the, the housing issue, right? And so okay. it's no okay. surprise that we have a, what most would call a housing crisis in Canada with respect to house prices going, affordability. Um, and he actually literally mentioned rent to own as a possible strategy that they would use to help with home affordability. Now there's no details whatsoever. So I have no clue what the execution is going to be for this plan. But the fact that he literally brought this up as part of the liberal mandate Oh my God. Uh, kind of legitimizes the, the strategy. Right? So you guys, you, you guys don't have some secret ties to the Liberal Party here. No, right? no, okay. we, we don't. Yeah, you're so, not out uh, uh, you're we're, we're, campaigning, our, our phone, are you? Our phone's certainly available if they want to talk to us. <laughs> okay, but, uh, no, no, that's this good. Is a, this is a nonpartisan uh, partisan. <laughs> Thank you. There, but, uh, Thank you, sir, for uh, clarifying we, we, that. We do hope we... <laughs> Yeah, certainly. Well, we just found it interesting that uh, that it came up as part that of the is, conversation. It is a coincidence and perhaps a timely coincidence. Um, you know, I've always maintained that the number one problem, uh, everybody talks about house prices like it's some kind of conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy. It's very simple. It's capitalism. It's supply and demand. When you have more demand than you have supply, prices are going to go up. And we've been in that sweet spot for, uh, David, like you said, it's been many years now. Uh, where Canada has become so popular. God bless Canada. You know, it's a great place to live and people from all around the world are coming here. Uh, and then one of the first things they want to do is buy a house. Plus you've got the general growth in the population where kids grow up, they get married, they want to get a house. And that's just great. Uh, and what I'm seeing on a daily basis now, a daily basis, is that that real estate frenzy that was originally just in Toronto and then worked its way out into the 905, into the suburbs like Mississauga, Brampton, Markham, uh, now has gone out much further where you're seeing a frenzy of bidding wars in uh, places that are a little further out. Maybe not Brantford just yet, but I think you can for sure in places like Guelph and Kitchener and Hamilton. Absolutely. Man, I wish I bought a couple of houses in Hamilton 10 years ago where they were giving them away. And now the prices are almost, I, we were looking at one in Ancaster last week uh, that went 150000 over the asking price. Sweet, nice, cute little bungalows. One of my Mississauga guys was oh. interested in. They had, I think, seven offers that went 150000 over the asking in Ancaster, which is a nice place. Yeah. But that's the kind of world we're living in. And I think a lot of people realize that in the long, in the long term, in the long haul, and if you look at all the stats going way back into the 1950s, real estate has always performed. It's always performed. 
So, but what you guys have put together here is a very detailed plan uh, for someone who may not be a typical, um, I don't want to use the word speculator, but a speculator in real estate, someone who's more interested in improving their return on investment from in a part of a portfolio uh, where they, you know, if they have a conservative mutual funds or like you say, cash in the bank or money market funds where they're getting next to nothing. Uh, I think it's very attractive. I like it. For those with a HELOC, especially home equity line of credit, debt, debt equity, it's not doing anything. It's just sitting there. You're putting it to work. Yeah, that's, so what, I mean, that's the the majority of people who do, who are investing in RTO are often using HELOCs. Yep. Okay. Is there anything that we need to know that that we don't know? First of all, I'm going to put a link uh, to your website and um, uh, links to people if people would like to contact you yep. uh, on the YouTube and uh, on the podcast as well. <clears throat> so I think it's fantastic. You may get some calls from realtors on this too. Uh, because it's a way of looking at things that perhaps most of us have not been doing for a number of years now. Uh, the typical, the typical uh, mindset was that rent to own only works in a poor market where right. prices aren't going anywhere. But this is, it's, a different, it's a different approach where you're looking at as more of a controlled investment as opposed to something that's speculation. You, you nailed yeah, it. So I would say for exactly realtors, yeah. I, I would say for realtors who are listening, uh, if there's any realtors listening, what I would say is they better be clients who, who, do, who can't qualify for a mortgage, like they can't qualify for the mortgage financing, whether it's due to bad credit or um, mm-hmm. not a sizable amount down payment, mm-hmm. um, get in touch with us. So Meninder and David, our website will be there. It's rent to grow homes. And we're rent happy to, to talk you homes. through rent to grow homes.com. Uh, and we're happy to talk through what the, um, what the parameters or how a deal could, could work for, for your specific client. But, but effectively, if you know, if they're, if they're, if you have a client that's running up against trouble in terms of qualifying for a mortgage, this is an alternative. This could be a great alternative maybe for a a new Canadian as well, um, who are still, you know, they, they've got, maybe they've come over here and nowadays many immigrants are are well-educated. They got MBAs and uh, but they maybe just don't have that down payment ready yet. Uh, and they're employed, they got a good job, they walk into, they're highly skilled. And that might be a, definitely a possibility for someone who's new to Canada and interesting stuff. Yeah. And so that, to be honest, that is, a, that is a profile. If you think about uh, someone who comes in, gets a good paying IT job right. uh, along with their spouse. They're making good money, but they have no savings. Right. And they, or they have a little bit of savings, maybe they have yeah. like 3%, uh, right. which they need, and they don't have enough right. established credit, right? Right. They can save that 3% into something more substantial. If they make good decisions, their credit will grow. Yep. Um, and one of the things that we do, like, so any tenant buyer we work with, we get them qualified first by our mortgage expert who's got a ton of RTO experience. Okay. And he gives the green light and says, you know what, this tenant buyer, Tom and Betty, have a very high probability of closing the deal in three years if they stick to this plan I'm going to put forth. So Craig, our, our mortgage expert, will actually write a plan for them to abide by and then every six months he checks in on them so Good. Craig basically has a meeting preset meeting with Tom and Betty every six months to make sure Tom and Betty are on plan that they're they don't go out they exactly. don't go out and buy a monster truck you just it, be right? yeah, okay gotcha yeah. and so they have to give tax returns right. they have to give job right. stuff basically right, right. all the paperwork to prove that they're upholding their end of the bargain and again that's another risk mitigation strategy we, we don't want surprises at the end of three years to know that Tom and Betty blew their savings on a monster truck. So um, three years is a long time. 
Sometimes people forget. Oh, people, yep. yeah. Cool, guys. Very cool. Anything else? Menender, you're looking very, uh, very thoughtful there. Anything? Uh, no, to, uh, I, I'm just... I'm just appreciative of the, of the chance to talk to your listeners, Randy. Uh, again, the website, renttogrowhomes.com. No problem. Check us out on, you can find us on Facebook as well. Um, okay. uh, give us a like or a thumbs up and uh, happy to chat with uh, agents, mortgage brokers, uh, and your investors uh, who are listening, who, who might be interested in, in exploring an RTO as part of their overall investment portfolio. Excellent, guys. Thank you so much for coming on board. It's been a real pleasure. And for anyone watching again on the channel here, if you like what you see, remember to give me a like and consider subscribing. This is the sort of uh, information that we're going to be uh, putting out, hopefully on a regular basis. The biggest problem I have is I get so busy that sometimes it's not easy to put stuff out on a regular basis. But uh, I think we got a good one here. So uh, leave your comments if you have any questions uh, about some of the details we talked today. Uh, we would love to uh, review them and we will get back to you if you ask specific questions not a problem on the YouTube channel. And you can also get it on my podcast, which is syndicated all over the place on Apple and Spotify. Just Google it. You'll find it. And so David Menender, thank you so much, guys. It's been a real pleasure. And uh, let's do this again sometime soon. Okay. Thank you. All right. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye.